going from into the frying pan and into the fire. BC goes from Clemson to a bye week to Wake Forest. It's going to be another tough week for BC football, but we're going to talk with Mitch Wolf about everything that they, we need to know about the Demon Deacons and get into prep for this week's game. All this and more on today's Locked On BC. You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. AJ Black, Locked On BC, your team every day. And we're your first listen every day. I want to thank you for listening to Locked On Boston College. All right. We're off of the bye week. It felt like it went on for two weeks, but for some folks, that was nice and nice and relaxing. But we're here to talk about Wake Forest, a ranked team uh, and that presents different challenges than Clemson. And the only person I can think of getting on the show on our Mondays is Mitch Wolf to talk about this game. Mitch, how's it going? Doing good. I totally agree. It was nice to not have to worry about BC football for a weekend. Um, but like you said, now we're back into it and against a particularly challenging opponent. All right. So let's get into Wake Forest. They are five and one. They're ranked. They, you know, at the beginning of the season, it, it looked like things could get a little bit weird for them because uh, Sam Hartman was out uh, medically for the first couple of games, but he comes right back in. He's thrown 16 touchdowns and two interceptions. Uh, he has them battling against Clemson. They lose in double overtime. Mitch, let's look at the offense first, because I think that's really why Wake is so good. It has been so good for a couple of years. What do you notice about this offense that makes them so dangerous? I mean, Wake's offense is arguably the most unique. Well, I guess, yeah, it's now the most unique offense in college football because essentially like Stanford has run a little bit of it, but they're really the only team that uses this um, slow mesh read option game where almost everything is an RPO. Like if you, well, I guess not almost everything, but a lot of it's play action RPO kind of stuff. Like if you look at the rate at which they use RPOs, which is 26%, that is the 28th highest rank in the F in the FBS. And their use of play action is, is 23% is the ninth highest. Um, So they just run, they, it's a very fast offense, very fast paced out of the gun. And, you know, it, it, they're lucky in that they have like an experienced quarterback in Sam Hartman who, you know, has been playing there seemingly forever. Um, So he just really knows however defenses are going to try to attack. him. he's a really smart player. He's, you know, not the biggest, not the most physically gifted, but a decent runner. He's very accurate in the short area of the field and can throw the ball deep, not especially not, you know, incredibly accurately, but he can at least give his receivers a shot. And that can usually either result in defensive pass interference or if you have a guy like A.T. Perry, who's like 6'5", 220, who can just go up and get those 50-50 balls, that's usually really helpful, too. And I remember we were watching, I was around the same time Mitch was watching the Clemson-Wake uh, Forest game. And Hartman, you know, he made a, a pass to end that game in double overtime that was bad. Like, it was just not a good pass. Uh, and Mitch, I, I said to you, it, it felt like it was just like a YOLO pass. Like, you was just like, you only live once, just hucked it up. But you said that's kind of his his MO. Talk a little bit about like kind of what that means. Yeah, I mean, that's what those deep balls are. And that's kind of like a lot of this offense is based on, you know, kind of like post snap reads or I guess you kind of like you you look at what the defense does before the snappers are saying, OK, like they are either doing this or this. And then once they snap the ball, 
um, you know, they see how the defense commits and then they react off that. So you see kind of a lot of op- not, it's not your typical like option routes, but you know, if the receiver like decides it's going to be a go route, you know, he'll just cut, he'll, like I said, just throw it up there and hope the receiver can get it. Which again, when you have a guy like AC Perry, they've had guys that are really good in this offense in the past, like Jaquari Roberson. Um, I think Harpin was around when Greg Dorch was there, but maybe not when the offense was in its, you know, highest capacity, mm-hmm. but you know, they've had all these kind of guys who can affect you in different types of ways, whether it be like really great speed underneath or, you know, be, Oh, um, what was his name? Uh, Sage Surratt, Scotty Washington, you know, those big receivers that can be contested yep. catch guys. So, um, you know, that that's, that's what I mean by the YOLO balls. And, you know, Hartman is still really good in the quick game. You know, he's very accurate on those short routes, the slants, the hitches, the screens and all that. And that's really helpful in RPO offense because when you have that, you can kind of lull the defense and just like, you can like lull them into being bored. It's like, all right, we're just going to keep, you know, trying to stop these short routes. Eventually you get them to commit to, you know, playing a defense that is weaker on the, on the deeper end, as opposed to the shallower end. And then you burn them over the top with those deep throws. And so, you know, I think what folks listening to this don't want to just listen to wait about wake forest. And they want to hear about like how this BC team kind of matches up against wake. And, one of the concerning things when I look at BC's defense and how they could match up against uh, Wake is that Clemson, who we saw absolutely trounce BC, still let up 45 points to this to this offense. Does BC's defense have a chance against this team, or is they are they just too good? I think they. I, I think it depends on what you mean by a chance. I think that BC's defense. So this is working under the assumption that. Um, CJ Burton gets back healthy. Elijah Jones is healthy. Josh DeBerry is healthy because Burton missed the last game. Jones and DeBerry both left the game at times. Um, if they have to trot Amari Jackson and Jalen Cheek out there, then there could be a lot of issues. Not because those players aren't good, just because this is a difficult offense and the receivers are, are very good players. Um, but if you have experienced corners um, and a guy like a guy like Elijah Jones is well suited to cover a guy like A.T. Perry, because while Perry is very tall, very long and very athletic, like he's not going to be the, you know, just burn you with speed deep like a lot of the receivers that Jones has struggled with uh, in the last few weeks. So that's a good matchup. Um, I'm not sure if they're using Taylor Morin as that slot receiver. I'm going to check that out right now. Um, but, you know, if Josh DeBerry is covering him on short routes, that's a good matchup. Um, so, you know, they have the guys go to hang with them. And the, the thing that I noticed about the Clemson game is that BC switched into using a lot more zone coverages and split field coverages than they did uh, in weeks past. And I think the reason for that was because with DJ Uyangalale, you know, with the progression he's made this year compared to last year, he, he is such a physically gifted player that you don't want to play man coverage against him because the idea of man coverage is that you're, you are daring the quarterback to, you know, throw the ball into tight windows and, you know, throw it with velocity and get it right there right on time and beat the coverage. And frankly, Uyangalale can do that. Like he will just throw it up to guys like Joseph Ngata um, and Bo Collins because he trusts them. Yeah. With zone coverage, it's more about the mental game. It's like, can the quarterback, you know, figure out what kind of coverage it is and then figure out which receiver is going to be open at the right time. And, you know, like I said, Uyangalale has made a lot of good progressions, but, but for most quarterbacks across college football, deciphering that zone kind of defense is, is a bit of a problem. And I think you saw that on Uyang Lele's interception that BC showed zone 
um, oh, sorry, they showed man pre-snap, and then to the first side of the field that he read, it was man, but then the, on the wide side of the field, the bound, or the field side, it was zone, and that's why he, when he had to scramble and throw it late, he didn't see Josh Berry sinking under that comeback route, and that's why it was an interception. With Hartman, it's a bit different because, <clears throat> again, he's not the kind of guy that's just going to, you know, throw some lasers into tight windows against man coverage. He's more of a, you know, he can sit in the pocket, you know, and especially with the way the RPO game works, where it's like you have that extra second of using of using that that slow mesh to read out the defense. So I think you're going to see BC go back to their ways of the first few weeks where they didn't play, you know, as physically gifted quarterbacks in terms of throwing the ball. And you're going to see more man coverage, you know, and just see, you know, cover one, even maybe some cover two man so they can prevent uh, guys like AT Perry from taking the top off the defense. That, but then the problem with playing, you know, cover two man is that you're taking guys out of the box. And even though Wake's running game isn't, you know, incredible, um, they used the run game is more of just kind of like a, a threat. And I, I'm trying to think of the right word for it, but a cursory threat where it's like, hey, like if you guys don't respect this, we're just going to keep running the ball. And, you know, teams trip typically try to take that away first. I'm wondering if BC is going to over respect the passing game and then allow the run game to flourish a little bit. Um, so that'll be an interesting chess match of seeing how BC tries to take away the deep passing game while also trying to stop the run. And uh, all of this is going to be as everything has been all year, depending on how this offense can hold up against Wake's defense. And in a moment, we're going to get into how BC's offense could look heading out of a bye week against a defense that's allowing 25 points per game. And those numbers don't lie, and these numbers don't lie e- either. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen, sim- chosen Simply Safe Home Security to protect their home. You don't earn that trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I use Simply Safe in my own home. They protect you with cutting edge security, technology powered by 24 7 professional monitoring agents who always have your back. That's why I love it. It's so easy to use. You can even use it with your phone. You can check on anything and keep up to date on all your security at home. Simply Safe blankets. Your home and protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. HD security cameras for inside and outside your house. Smarter ways to detect motion that only alert you when the threat is real. And even hazard sensors that instantly detect fire, floods, and other threats to your house. So customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysave.com slash college. Again, save 20% at simply with an I, simplysafe.com and get your security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get that first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash college to learn more. There's no place, no safe like Simply Safe. Now, if you're interested in advertising here on Locked On Boston College, we are always looking for local advertisers to join us. Email me at ajblackmedia at gmail.com and I will get you connected so you will get your product in front of loads of Boston college fans. So again, hit me up at ajblackmedia at gmail.com to connect with other Boston college uh, customers out there that would love to hear about your business. Now, Mitch, the biggest question, I mean, even the, the, the defense, you know, I was, I was looking at that stats of war. I think it was stats of war or, or college football numbers, Co- college football numbers had the um, thing out there today that kind of like graphed where BC is at. And, you know, there was like positive offense and negative offense and positive defense and negative defense. And of course, BC was like neutral in defense and way negative (laughs) offense. So let's get into the offense. And I found this picture and I had to use it. Uh, 
And <laughs> if you're yeah, not, like, that'll do it. <laughs> if you're not, if you're not following us on YouTube, you're missing out. Um, and I'm, I'll just describe it. It's Phil Dracovic with how many is there? Three guys. This, this, this reminds me of that Twitter. That's like <laughs> art, but make it sports where they yeah. can like find like Renaissance paintings that look like sport. Like, I feel like this could be, they could find one that would be good for this. Like some, you know, old Italian Renaissance painter that painted something like this. It's like from the Bible or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So it's Phil getting killed. So <laughs> yeah, put it um, it's we're, we're heading out of the bye week Um, we don't know what the health of Finn Durstein is. Um, I, Obviously, we'd like to see him back because he was one of the better offensive linemen out there. Um, but, you know, I think it was hard to watch that Clemson game because a lot of folks were saying, like, you know, you wanted to see progress with the offensive line. We kind of talked about where we saw it. But when you play against Clemson, you're playing against Clemson. Mm-hmm. Now out of a bye week, a bye week in which Halfley talked about, you know, recovering after a brutal first half of the season. How is this offense going to look against Wake Forest's defense? I think it's tough because the you know this team they've had some really good defensive ends in years past, um, and I wouldn't say they have that premier guy like they have had in uh, Duke Ishii for uh, Boogie Basham, yep, uh, even Luigi Valjean, but or Valane, whatever it was. Um, but they still have Rondell Bothroyd, who's a good pass rusher off the edge. Uh, they've got some interior guys that are good players in. Um, uh, where is it? Uh, Kobe Turner and Tyler Williams, who are you know getting after the quarterbacks, and th- that's really the principal problem you have right now is that BC is not able to consistently protect Phil Jakovic in the passing game against Clemson. The running game couldn't get anything going, but we have seen the running game be able to succeed in weeks past. Um, yeah, so you know, pass pass protection, especially against Clemson's uh, defensive front, is just going to be near, near impossible, especially in one on one dropback situations. Um, so I think the the other side of the coin, though, is that I think kind of like in the Louisville game, I think this is a good opportunity for BC to try to run the ball. Um, if you look at, I mean, it's it's like Wake's defense, you know, you don't think of it as being good, but looking at their EPA stats, they're all pretty solid. Negative uh, 2.8 EPA per game, which is 39th in the country, negative uh, 0.036 per play which is 36 in the country and according to epa they're pretty good at stopping the run um i don't know their you know counting statistics for it but looking at how wake plays their defense they also use a 335 uh which is similar to louisville so you're going to see kind of an undersized front uh they rarely stack the box they like to stay in too high shells so you know this and you know they they're very popular using a three or four man rush they don't blitz a lot so I, I think this might be another game where bc has to rely on running the ball to open up the pass um because i think throwing just just you know coming out here and throwing the ball i think one you're going to get phil Dracovic killed again especially with the injuries on the offensive line um but i think just the way wake's defense is oriented i think they'd be better served by you know prioritizing running the ball, you know, and that, that way, again, this is kind of something we talked about with Louisville is that by running the ball, you can keep wakes offense off the field, which is right. even more dynamic than Louisville's. And you give the defense more time to rest because, you know, wakes offense is extremely high tempo. So, you know, if the defense it keeps getting out there for, you know, 15, 12, 12, 15 play drives um, and they're just, you know, sprinting all over the field, they're going to need some rest. So I think, you know, I think if BC can put together some, you know, eight to 10 play drives where they're running the ball, killing the clock. I think that would be the, smartest avenue to help them win this game so we talked about injuries i obviously finn durstein would be a big one uh george takis is one to also watch for but mm-hmm. i think it sounds like based off what you're saying alex broom might be the biggest one to watch for yeah i think that would be 
concerning again if he because I mean it'll be interesting because Xavier Coleman has you know flashed decently in running the ball, but a lot of it's been in garbage time, so it's hard to tell. Like, is this really going to be is going to be able to translate to meaningful game action? I mean, Garwo is still Garwo, and he like he's a solid player when the offensive line can open up holes. You know, again, I think Clemson is a bit of a outlier scenario because their defensive line is just so good across the board. So it's not really fair, but like, you know, we, we saw him able to get, he saw, he was able to get some success against Louisville um, and even Florida state at times, uh, even though the game got out of hand super quickly. Um, so I think, you know, if Gar, Garwo being able to go, that's good. Um, I would like to see broom be able to get out there. Um, you know, he's been a good third down back as a pass protector and a receiver better than, you know, Garwo has improved in that measure since last season, but uh, I still think Broom is better at that at this point. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that would be a, definitely another key injury for the offense. And do you see anyone on this uh, Wake secondary that could stop Zay, or is this just basically trying to get in Phil's face and go from there? Uh, I think that's definitely going to be their uh, primary point of contention. Uh, there are two cornerbacks, Gavin Holmes and J.J. Roberts. Um, Isaiah Wingfield looks like their slot corner. Yeah, so, um, you know, they're... Okay, uh, Kalen Carson is a good player, but he's missed the last few games with injury. So if he comes back for them, that could be helpful. But um, you know, I wouldn't. Not, neither of these cornerbacks are particularly fear-inducing. Um, it looks like Gavin Holmes. Uh, he's been targeted a decent bit, but he just there. I don't know if the balls haven't been accurate. Or he hasn't broken up a ton of passes, so uh, not pretty inspiring. Looks like JJ Roberts might be the guy to go after um, if BC can try to get Zay aligned on him, um, and then kind of looks like the slot corner Isaiah Wingfield has been targeted a lot. So, you know, I, I, the one thing I've been arguing for, and I wrote this in one of the articles recently is that I really think they need to get Jalen Gill more involved in this offense uh, because he's been extremely reliable so far this season. Um, But for some reason, the offense and Phil Dracovic just keep going out, going, throwing the ball to Jaden Williams, which is, I mean, almost every pass is a 50, 50 ball for Jaden Williams, no matter where he is in the field. And, you know, it's kind of reminds me of the old rule from like, the football back in like the you know pre like cold war days where they were like if you you know throwing the ball there's only three outcomes and two of them are bad you know you can either have a completion an incompletion or an interception so that that's kind of my thought with throwing to Jaden williams just because yep. hands are still a cons- are are inconsistent um I th- I, and i've said it time and time again i think he's being miscast in this offense um i'm i would need to look up the size of these corners um but i know wake has had you know smaller corners in the past so i'm wondering if you know, getting Joseph Griffin out there more would be a kind of BC's version of AT Perry, where you had this big X receiver that can, you know, go down, get down the field and win contested catch situations against smaller corners. Um, so, yeah, like I, I argued for in my kind of offensive recap article, I'd like to see some, you know, changes of personnel just to see if other guys, what other guys can give you in meaningful situations, because I think we kind of know enough about the players that have been playing the most to this point in the season. I mean, JJ Roberts, 5'11", 187, so nothing crazy right home about. And then, what was it, Gavin Holmes, I think, uh, 5'11", 175. So, yeah, I mean, these are two smaller corners. Um, I would definitely try to go after them with, you know, a bigger receiver like uh, Joseph Griffin. All right, so tough game. One really random stat, I'm just going to throw it out there, is that Dave Clawson has never beat BC at home which is, I think, really <laughs> random, but just yeah. throwing it out there. I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not saying that BC is going to beat them. I've gotten some people calling me a Pollyanna and stuff like that, but that's definitely not what we're getting at. But mm-hmm. in our final segment, I want to get into 
even though this game is going to be a really tough one, how can BC end this really chaotic season on a positive note? Mitch and I are going to give us give some things that could happen that could give some momentum heading into the offseason and some hope about the future of Boston College football. Before we do that, BetOnline.net is your number one source for football betting info this season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth and articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information and with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. I'm telling you, folks, I have a futures bet on BetOnline for Hendon Hooker to win the Heisman. I put this back in August. I'm telling you, if I win, I'm going to be a happy host. Um, after watching that game against uh, Alabama this weekend, uh, that bet seems really good, and I'm really excited about it. But you can make any sort of bet. You can still, if you still think Hendon Hooker is going to be the the Heisman winner, you can get in now and still get decent odds on. Just head over to Bet Online, check it out. It's always changing, and they've got the latest odds there. They're the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. All right. This is Locked on BC, AJ Black here. If you are listening on YouTube, hit that like button right now if you're already subscribed. And if you're not subscribed, do that now too. So hit subscribe. Make sure you get all of our latest episodes sent directly to you. You'll get notified when we go live. If you hit the little bell, I love to have you all there. And if you're calm, if you're listening along right now, comment, we're going to talk about what BC has to do to get the season back on track and get some momentum heading into 2023, because starting to feel like this is a lost season. Uh, so Mitch, let's, let's get into this. They're sitting at two and four. Probably going to be two and five after this weekend because they got to play Wake, and I, I don't have much faith that much is going to happen here. What are some things that BC could do between now and December to get some momentum going and at least, you know, not have the season be a complete loss? So I'll talk about, you know, game results first and then get into things they might be able to kind of do on a more micro level. So looking at the rest of the season, I think Wake is going to be really tough. Um, I'm not sure they have the firepower to win this game. Um, kind of on both sides of the ball, honestly. UConn, I think, is very winnable. You know, they gave Ball State a fight, and Ball State's kind of a quietly good team, but it's it's still UConn, and I just I'm not really sure that they'll have kind of in the other the uh, inverse of it. I don't think they have the firepower to stay with BC on either side of the ball. So I think that's a win. Duke started off the season hot, um, but they've kind of faltered as of late. Um, I think you know they're still a year away from kind of being back to where they were at the height of the David Cutcliffe era. Uh, that's a Friday night game for BC at home. So I think that they can pull that one off. NC State, you know, at the beginning of the season, that one looked like it was kind of a chalk it up as a loss. But Devin Leary's out for the year. I've been saying NC State has been overrated even before that injury. Now, you know, it's still a road game, but, you know, maybe BC puts up a fight, you know, gets kind of, we've seen crazier things happen in college football. Maybe they pull out a win there. Notre Dame just lost to uh, Stanford at home and Stanford is not the Stanford that people remember. Um, so, you know, I, I, it's, again, this one's on the road, but again, crazy things have happened even just in the BC Notre Dame rivalry. So, you know, I, I even, I think Notre Dame definitely has more talent, but, you know, like I said, crazy things have happened. You know, they could pull that off. I think it's unlikely, the arguably the unlikeliest of the final games, but it's possible. Syracuse uh, on Thanksgiving weekend, a bit of a weird one there because Syracuse is, to this point, still undefeated. They haven't really played anybody, so it's kind of hard to, you know, tr- really evaluate them and know how good or bad they are. Um, 
they've got a really tough end of the season between now and when they play BC by that. And then again, that game is at home for BC. So it's going to be cold out. It's the end of November. Um, and, you know, Syracuse's defense is again, kind of up and down uh, their offense, you know, is kind of humming along now, uh, you know, not being as reliant on Sean Tucker. So, you know, of these remaining six games, I think, you know, I think, I think wake is a, I feel pretty comfortable saying that's a loss. Um, I feel pretty comfortable saying UConn and Duke are wins. And, you know, I, th- I think even if you go one and two in the final three, you know, it kind of doesn't matter who you beat. I think that's, you know, that that's, that's nice. Um, I'm not sure BC, I mean, BC in terms of their, what is it? The APR rate or measure that yep. if you have a good academic APR. school, yeah, APR yep. um, that gets you in a bowl here, five and seven team. I'm not sure Jeff Halfley normally would want to go to a bowl with five and seven team, but you know, as a lot of people have said, he, he might be feeling the heat. So he might be saying, Oh, like we'll go to a bowl and maybe it'll be against a bad team and we can win it. So, you know, yeah, it'd be kind of funny if after all this season, you know, BC finishes six and seven with a bowl winning against a bad team. And then everybody's kind of back on the bandwagon. But, you know, I, I think that there, there's definitely a, a realistic path for this team to, you know, kind of finish the season on a high note. I think kind of, if you flip, flip it to a more negative po- point of view, you know, they get, let's say they get torched by wake, you know, beat UConn and Duke. I, I really think those are likely wins. And then, you know, let's just say they finish season uh, oh, and three in those last three games, which I think that's very possible. Um, then you've got four and eight and it's, it was just a bad year. Um, and I think you could kind of put a lot of the blame on just the collapse of the offensive line. And luckily it seems like the injuries at defensive back and running back are not long-term. Um, but in terms of the micro things we can see for the rest of the season, uh, that, you know, could give BC some hope is obviously, you know, getting to watch his a flowers every week is going to be a treat. Um, so kind of appreciate him while he can. We only have six games left of him. He could theoretically come back next year, but I do not want that for him because he would risk injury and risk a lot of money that he already forego by staying at BC and not transferring to somewhere else with better NIL opportunities. So, you know, we've got six games as a left. Let's watch him, appreciate him, see if he can break as many records as possible. Um, you know, I think you're kind of, you are seeing some exciting talent in the backfield with guys, a guy like, um, Alex Broom and Xavier Coleman flashing a little bit, you know, I, I, I hope they start putting in the younger offensive linemen just to see what they can do. You know, maybe they, you know, maybe they can kind of figure something out there where some players switch positions as well. Um, on defense, I mean, the defense, I, I know it's tough to say that they've been good when they've been getting blown out by Florida state and Clemson. Um, but I mean, this defense has fight and, you know, with Clemson, you know, you, you see, you know, all three of your starting corners are out of the game by the third quarter. So th- that's a problem. And, you know, it's, it's something they can't really control. Um, so I, I think the defense is still, you know, playing well. I think you're seeing um, some interesting things happen. You know, Cam Arnold's progressing pretty well. You know, you're getting a pretty exciting last season out of De Palma. And, you know, I, I think you'd like to see the defense create more turnovers. And I think that, Honestly, like in the in the last half season, of the realistic things I could ask for, I think that's something that I would. That's the most thing I would want the most out of the defense is just try to create more turnovers. You know, give this offense some better opportunities in good field position. Maybe even score some points uh, that can help help the offense uh, by just giving them more points to work with. Um, and I think on special teams, you know, we haven't really touched on it yet, but I think just being more consistent there because you know we, we've seen it really bite BC in every way possible almost. Um, I'm not sure how much they want to make personnel changes there at either the returner or the kicker slash punter positions. But I, I think at this point you've seen enough where it's like, all right, like the guys that we've been using have not been given, giving us enough. 
Um, and we need to make some changes here and, or just coach it differently because right now I think it's hurting this team in a pretty significant way. Yeah. I've, you know, I, I think you brought up some good points. Some of the things I would look for, um, obviously I want to see some, um, from a micro level, I want to see some growth in the offensive line. I want to see guys like Ozzy Trapillo and Drew Kendall continue mm-hmm. to, to, to develop. And, you know, as we've said all along, playing offensive line, playing and being an offensive lineman, a lot of that's on communication, trust, getting things down. And, and that comes with reps, right? Live reps, getting those things going. <clears throat> so I'd love to see some of that continuing. Um, you know, some of the younger guys, I want to see more of Joseph Griffin, Lewis Bond out there. I want to see some of those guys get played. Mm-hmm. But like you said, Jalen Gill, he's earned every bit of his reps out there. Love to see him get some more snaps. So some some of those things on a micro level, I'd love to see some of that happen. Um, from a bigger standpoint, the big thing for me, after I watched them lose to Stanford, after I've watched them lose to Marshall, you know, we're, t- we're talking about like um, – perception of this program what what does that mean and and what would be a bigger perception bc going in at five and seven and going to some like the bahamas bowl and beating like fiu and some bowl game or beating notre dame <laughs> yeah i think i think most bc fans if you told them hey you can either go to a bowl game and beat some middling g5 team or you can finish season with a losing record but you beat notre dame i would say probably about 99 percent of pc fans would take beating notre dame and so I, I get that game circled with a giant highlighter mm-hmm. and th- i mean again for the folks that i think i'm being pollyanna here notre dame's a mess right now they've got michael meyer a decent defense but they're not playing all that well and BC just needs to get some things going and that could, that could happen. Who knows? Right? Also, and I mean, granted the reason why Dracovic isn't there anymore is now down in the Bayou, but the Phil Dracovic was, pro- was supposed to be Notre Dame's starting quarterback at this point, you know, yep. that was the plan. And now you're, you're seeing how, you know, how Brian Kelly kind of mismanaged the recruiting and development pipeline at the quarterback position. You're seeing the, uh, reaping those benefits or lack thereof. So, you know, I I know Phil Jacoby won't have the opportunity to directly stick it to Brian Kelly in this game, but you know, in probably I would imagine maybe his penultimate game as a BC Eagle, like this could be his kind of final, you know, opportunity for glory in beating his former team. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and though the odds of BC making a bowl are like, what's it? 1.6%. Yeah. Something like that there's still loads of opportunities for big moments left in the season. As you mentioned, beating Duke. Uh, yeah, it's Duke, but they're what? Six and one or something like that. Six uh, and eight, they're like five. three and three. <laughs> oh, they're three and three. Never yeah. mind. I swore they were better than that. I've talked about them all. The they time. like started really hot, but then they've so, um, they hung with the UNC on Saturday. They did. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm trying but, to hear you. So, but as you said, Syracuse, they're a top 15 team right now. You have the opportunity of possibly beating them. I think they're four, they're four and they're four and two actually. I think uh, four and two. One, two, uh, three. No, three. They're they're three and three. I'm pretty. My math. I'm. I don't know. The way the way I'm looking at their schedule is weird. Um. Okay. Yeah. But you know, like, there's still some chances to in like think about like if you beat a ranked Syracuse team three. to end the season, that would be big. Like, there's all these chances for things to happen. Um, and so yeah, I'm, I'm kind of relying on like my, my assumption on possibly beating Syracuse is kind of reliant on the assumption that they will suffer a lot of losses in the coming weeks. That'll kind of kill their momentum. And then, you know, they will be kind of on the other side of the coin 
for BC. Whereas like BC might be like kind of hot after, you know, either playing well or beating NC state and Notre Dame. And then they might come in just more general momentum than Syracuse who might be coming off a series of tough losses. Duke is four and three. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. We were, um, I was, I was almost there, but yeah, they're going to, they've got a tough schedule ahead of them, but we'll have to wait and see. So that's kind of what the fun of this is going to be. And, you know, there's still six games left. There's still a lot of chance. And we still have Christian Mahogany tweeting, uh, you know, all his, yeah, I mean, honestly, he's got to stop. Otherwise, like, like come on, man, that, like you're, you're, you're dragging this out a little too much for me, honestly. Like it's, it's like, it's, and, and I know Mitch doesn't care about this, but it's like a wrestling uh, angle where it just goes on way too long and you're just like, please stop and move on to something else. It's kind of like that, where it's just like either play or don't play. And I think that's, that's where we're at with him right now. But <clears throat> Mitch will be back on Friday to talk about and give his predictions for, for Saturday's game on tomorrow's show. I'm going to have two, four sevens, wake Forest demon Deacon digest writer, cam lemons on to talk about wake Forest. I can't wait. Uh, cam is an excellent uh, writer for their site. And he's going to talk to us about uh, wake and what, you know, from his perspective, what to expect in this game, Mitch, where can people find you? You can find me at Mitchell T Wolf to be on Twitter. Um, we just published my two, um, PFF and advanced statistics report on BC for the first half of the season, um, where I kind of go over the units on each side of the ball and uh, what they've done well, what they've struggled with and what changes they can make. And then I'm going to be trying to, uh, if I can find the right footage, uh, do it. What's wrong with the BC special teams? Because something I could, I could stand to learn a little more about. So that'll be an interesting exercise. I can try to get, get uh, working on. All right, and I'm AJ Black. You can follow me on Twitter at AJ Black underscore BC. Uh, make sure to follow us also on all social medias at Locked on BC as well. And hit that subscribe button. It really does make a difference. We'll be back again tomorrow. Thank you all for listening. Stay well. Take care. We'll see you soon.